and so I'd like to go ahead and plow on. I don't want to stop in the middle of this one in case people are really on the edge of their seats. Um, so yeah, so uh, doing some more feed. We're about, I don't know, two thirds of the way through. So we have this much left. <laughs> I'll make a chunk of that tonight. And um, you know, if you're out there, thank you for, for watching, listening. There's not much to watch here on the sofa, but thanks for listening. Um, yeah. Okay, so this next chapter is called 82.4%. Uh, I didn't listen to all of it immediately. I was lying there in bed. I saw that it was going to be long and I stopped after a few sentences. There was a smell like the hospital. It was like sickness. And at first I thought it was from an attachment, but it wasn't. It was coming from my nose and I got up and took my shower and I got dressed and went downstairs and had one of my dad's granola squeezes. And I went out to my up car and started to drive to school, trademark. I listened to the rest while the up car drove me. And when the up car settled in the school, trademark, parking lot, I kept staring out the front window. I didn't want to get out. Kids were running everywhere and I'm pushing each other and their backpacks were all sparkly in the sun. I could still smell the hospital in my nose. It wasn't anything around me. I mean, it was her. I, I stopped breathing, but the smell was still there and I held my breath. I stared out the window at the school trademark. Everyone went in through the doors. The leaves on the trees turned red to show that I was late. My hand was still there on the lift shift. I just left it there in some weird kind of trance, as if I was waiting there for the right moment to pull back and drop anchor and fall upward into the sky. 80.9% Definitive lists of things I want to do. Number one, dancing. Number two, fly over an active volcano, spit stuff into the magma. <laughs> Number three, could the dancing be in a nightclub with lots of mirrors and people wearing tuxedos and there's a big band and perhaps some mob activity? And you'll keep staring at a cigarette girl named Belinda from Oklahoma and I'll say, damn you, ma'am, damn you, can't you keep your eyes in your sockets like everyone else? Number four, I want to sit with you in a place where I can't hear engines. Number five, is there any moss anywhere? Number six, I want to go under the sea and watch the last fishes, and I want to sit in one of those bubbles in the middle of a school. Number seven, I want to see art. Like, I want to remind myself about the Dutch. I want to remind myself that they wore clothes and armor and that some of them fell in love while they were sitting near maps or tapestries. And Number eight, I want to go up into the mountains with you for a weekend where people don't usually go. Number nine, when we're there, I want to go to a store that sells only beer and jerky. Number 10, I want to rent a hotel room with you as Mr. and Mrs. Smith. 11, I want to say we're from Fort Wayne and have the proprietor frown and know we're lying, but still nod. 12. I would actually like to be from Fort Wayne or from a small town outside of it 
We won't have the feed and we'll go to the movies on dates and we'll kiss in the up car. And then when I'm in my 20s, I'll go east to the big city to find my first job and have people at parties sitting on the arms of chairs drinking wine out of plastic cups, people with strange haircuts and things sheared into geometrical shapes. 13. And I want to go into the office every day, sometimes even on weekends in some kind of suit, and be someone's administrative assistant and complain to you uh, through the feed while I'm at my desk about my bitch of a manager or my pervert boss, and you'll be my boyfriend from home, and you're also from Fort Wayne. 14. I want to get older. 15. I want to see the years pass. 16. Sometime I want to wear a cardigan and have a golden retriever named, I don't know, I guess named after someone obscure. Usually isn't that how it goes for people like me? Their, their cats are named things like Tutankhamun or Mithridates and their dogs are named for great thinkers like Jefferson or Socrates or Thomas Paine. And, nah, I guess I'll call mine Paine. <laughs> 17. I want famous artists and composers to come and stay at my house. You know, someone named Gerblick, who's writing a piece where you take an axe to the piano. 18. My grandkids will come up to see me when I'm in my cardigan, and I want them to call me Nana, and will sit by the lake, which won't steam like the lakes do, and won't move when the wind isn't on it, or burn sticks. And I'll tell them about their great-grandparents, and I'll show them old pictures of the family site. And I'll tell them how their great-great-great-grandfather fled Germany just before the Second World War, because he was a homosexual. <laughs> and had to wear a pink triangle on his arm. And he got to America and married a pretty Marxist candy striper to get citizenship. And eventually they decided to have kids. And my grandkids will ask me what a candy striper is. 19. When we make dinner, little Shirley will help shuck the corn. <laughs> 20. I want to tell her about what her mama used to do when she was just hatched, the silly things mama did when she was a child. 21. I'll lean on the sink, and I won't remember the hours spent in waiting rooms, the doctors touching me with metal rods, pushing me back into gurneys, and the technicians having secret conferences with my father. And I won't remember what it's like to stare at my leg and press it with my fingernails until the skin turns white and then red and then blue and still not have any feeling. I won't remember what's really going to happen, that nerve silence spreading over the whole of my body like a purple cloud, that emptiness, that inactivity. I won't remember watching you stand by my bed when I can't move, watching you staring down. I won't remember you apologizing for not coming sooner. I won't remember you standing there, bored, by my bedside as I slur words, standing there waiting to feel like you've stayed long enough so that you're a good person and you're allowed to leave. I won't remember any of that because it won't happen. And I'll lean on the sink and my granddaughter will cut paper molecules with her scissors for a project for school. And I'll go out and I'll call for the dog because it's getting to be evening and there are coyotes out there in the woods. And the night will be falling and by the screen door I'll call, pain, and the trees will rustle. Pain, pain. And he'll come when I call. 78.6
I was staring at a girl's sweater. I couldn't, like, focus on the teacher. The teacher was a hologram that day. There had been some funding cuts. I don't know, the school band was gone, and so were the alive teachers. I didn't send a message back to Violet. I didn't even listen to her list all the way through the first time. I, I skimmed it. I fast-forwarded it, and then, like, every hour or so, I'd go back and I'd listen to one part of it. And when I got to the end, that was it. And I stared at the back of the girl in front of me with a hologram, like when your teacher is one of them. And if you aren't looking right at them, sometimes they seem to be hollow. You see them, and then suddenly they don't have a face that pokes out, like their face pokes in and their nose and so on, and, and there's nothing inside of them. And if you don't look right at them, they look just like an empty shell. 77.8%. Hey, she chatted, what's doing? I wish I was with you today. I always wish I was with you. Oh, did you get my list? Titus? Titus? After school trademark that day, I went over to Link's with Marty and Link. We were sitting outside near the pool, and Link asked me about Violet and how she was doing. And I said, I guess she was okay. He asked me, I hadn't, he asked me, hadn't I talked to her? And I said, I hadn't, not for a couple days. She had tried chatting me a few times since. She sent me the list, but I had on my busy signal. We sat there for a while, and Link and Marty went swimming. And when we played water volleyball, which was hard with three people, so we, we stood there for a minute until I said, does anyone else want to go in Mal? And they looked at me, and they were like, unit? Marty said, sure. And Link said he had a tip for this great new site. And they went, are you sure? And I was like, what I say, and they nodded. And so we got out of the pool and dried off with towels and we went inside. We found the site, it had these meg ass warnings all over it, it was like in Swedish. And we all clicked on it and we could feel it tap into our credit and then suddenly it hit me all at once. It was colored bricks first and I fell down because they were coming too quick and then I could start to see the bottom of the sofa and Link was crawling and his face was taken up by it. And it kept coming in wave after wave, and the floor was steep, and I hung on to the lamp, but it dumped me. And the static was covering everything, and so when we went somewhere, I couldn't even see where we were going. I just watched the others from the static. I could see their mouths talking. Violet asked me what was going on with me, and I tried sitting up and answering, but she wasn't in the room. And that was funny, and I laughed. And Marty thought I was laughing at something else, so he started too, and pretty soon we were all laughing. And so everybody at the ice cream store was looking at us, and we just bought a tub. And I was like, if I eat this, I'm going to puke. And Marty went, unit, how the fuck did we get to an ice cream store anyway? And I was like, whoa, unit, shit, I hope you didn't drive. Some parents are moving their kids away from us, and Link went to them, boo, okay, boo. And he spread his hands, and there was light coming from his fingers. And I pointed and I said, light. And Marty said, bright. And Link said, sight. And Marty said, night. And I said, kite. And Link said, have you ever thought about how kite is held up by nothing? Marty said, it wasn't nothing, fuckhead. It was air, like air, like as in fucking air, air. And we went out into the main part of the mall and into the music store, but it was really, really loud. So we went out. And we went down to a closed store and we sat in a dressing room for a while and it was quiet there except 
the banging on the door and asking us to leave. And I showed Marty and Link the message from Violet with the list, the things she wanted to do before she died. And they read it. And Marty said, fuck, unit, fuck. And Link said, whoa, that's intense. She's one weird bitch. And I said, she wasn't a bitch. And he said, well, that's not what I meant. I mean, that's not what he said. And Marty asked me why I wasn't talking to her. And I said, well, I was talking with her. I just hadn't. And he said the message was so fucking sad. It made him want to like fucking, you know, ball his eyes out. And I said, do you think she's being mean to me? I mean, in telling me about that part with me standing by her bed. And they said, mean how? And there kept on being the stupid banging on the door, which woke me up several times in one minute. And I was curled up in this ball, like doing a cannonball, but on carpet with my arms wrapped around my leg. And there were some pants hanging on one of the hooks and we checked it a few times, but we all had our pants on. So they must've belonged to the lady who left just before we came in. And we thought it was funny that she hadn't come back for them. And we laughed about that and it was good to be with friends. And Violet asked me again what was going on, and I told her to shut the fuck up, but luckily I told her that out loud, and she wasn't there, but chatting. And we got up and opened the door, and there was this kid dressed in perfect clothes, like with donut rings on his arms, and he asked us if we would please leave as we appeared to be under the influence. And so we went out and sat near the fountain, watching the water, which was interesting, because your vision slowed it down so much that you could see every individual droplet which was fascinating, each and every one of them falling down and making a ring in the water and that ring spreading with all of its tentacles reaching and then dropping back and then the water rocking. And Violet asked me what I was doing. Was I out of school trademark yet? Unit, I said, I'm way out of school trademark. And she was like, how are you? I haven't heard from you for days. Violet, I was like, Violet, Violet, Violet. Hey, what's up? Violet, Violet, Violet. Are you in Mao? I'm coming over. Hey, you who, hey, stop. I can't remember if my up car's here. Don't fly like this, you're slammed. Have you heard about this Central American stuff? Two villages in the Gulf of Mexico, 1,500 people, they've just been found dead, covered in this black stuff. Gentlemen, I said to the other two, I've got to go. Have you heard about it? This is big. It seems like an industrial disaster. The Global Alliance is blaming the US. I am hoping, sirs, that we brought separate vehicles for, I said, things, vehicles. Don't fly right now, she said, don't fly. You're Meg jazzed. No, I'm not. You're spewing a substream of funk characters all over the place. You're completely unformatted. What are you doing? I mean, why did you do this? Just stay there. I'm at the mall, in Mal, at the mall, in Mal, at the mall. Oh, oh God, don't do anything. Wait for it to wear down. I'm coming to see you. I feel, I feel bad. You are such a shithead. <laughs> you don't know what happened to me this morning. And the news, Titus, this morning, I can't believe in the middle of all this, you went and got malfunctioned. You are such an asshole and a shithead. On level three, said Marty, who discovered... I discovered was still sitting in front of me of the parking lot next to mine. You okay to drive? I'll do it autopilot, I said. You sure? I said, this horse knows the way to carry the sleigh through the... And I scratched my hair. And Marty nodded and Link started singing, Ho, 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 Elfling, Santa's on his way, which was the completely wrong song. 
And I went up to the parking lot and I looked for level three. The in mal was starting to wear off a little. It was mainly just euphoria now. And I found my up car next to Marty's. Marty's up car was the kind of touched uh, and wrinkled by a pillar. I flew. And once I got up in the drop tube, I put the up car in autopilot and I was almost asleep. I dreamed about sweater vests mainly, spreadable cheese, but with a difference. After the Prime Minister of the Global Alliance issued a statement that, quote, the physical and biological integrity of the earth relies on this point upon the dismantling of the American-based corporate entities, whatever the cost, unquote. It is thought that the American annexation of the moon as the 51st state, dot, 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 into her drop tube, and it found its way to her level, which was on the bottom, or maybe just toward the bottom, her suburb was. And I flew to her street, and she was waiting outside her house. She had her hair up in this really nice way. I pulled up in her driveway, and I left the up car hovering, and I opened the door and stumbled to hang out of it. And I was like, unit, don't go inside. My dad will know. Big unsteady, big unsteady. You are such a shithead. Okay, get down from there. Let's spend some time on the lawn. And I climbed down. I had to touch the grass with my heel like all those times to make sure it was still hard. And she shook my hand. Your list, I said. I will just take about five days. What? Look at your list. It will just take about five days. I mean, for us to do everything. Well, okay. The list before the part, you know, where you become from Fort Worth, Fort Wayne. Activity 12, huh? Activity 12, actually being from Fort Wayne. Well, Activity 12 is out of the question. I'm glad you came back. I was worried you weren't going to. We're going to do it all, unit. We're gonna find the mountains. Hey, hey, calm down. Have you heard the news? It's awful. I think maybe if I sleep again, we can start by going dancing. We better wait for the weekend to go to the mountains. I have school trademark and you don't. No, I just have mourning. What? While my father's sitting around staring at me, he stopped teaching me. He says he'll tell me whatever I want to know, but there's no reason for lessons anymore. I felt like what she was telling me was real important, but the trees were so green and I could smell the grass near my face. And she told me that her father used to ask her, ask her what she wanted to know. And she asked him whether there was a soul but I just put my face against the ground and the dirt was cool and the grass was tickling my nose and I fell asleep and heard the news talking through my eyes. 76.2%. While I slept on the lawn, on her lawn, she sent me a message. This is from earlier today. It said, the feed tech response, check out the attachment. It was a full feed sim of violent sensations. It explained a lot. It was memories from that morning and I tried them on. It was Violet walking down the stairs in her house. There was a poster next to me with a picture of an, old, of an Asian lady holding up an old machine. I was whistling some stupid boar cartoon and I took the steps two at a time and then suddenly I couldn't move my legs. I mean, I couldn't even scream. I just tried to grab onto the banister and I was falling backwards and I hit the wall with my hand as hard as possible. And then my face hit the carpet on the stair and I was sliding down on my butt and the rug on each stair was burning the side of my face. It was like underwater. There was no space in me for breathing. 
and I lifted my head up and dropped it and I was lying on the floor of the downstairs and it was dark because I hadn't turned on the light and I was trying to breathe, trying to breathe. And that was when Nina appeared. I clutched the air. She chatted, hi, I'm Nina, your feed tech customer assistance representative. Have you noticed panic can lead to big time underarm odor? A lot of girls do. No sweat. Why not check out the Bragg collection of perspiration control devices at the DVS Super Pharmacy Hypersite? But that's not why I'm here, Violet. First, little breasts, and then bigger ones, and then finally I could feel my face and my back hurting, and I had my wind back, and my legs were in funny places, and I couldn't feel them at all. Nina said, I'm here to inform you that FeedTech Corp has decided to turn down your petition for complimentary feed repair and or replacement. No, said Violet, slash me out loud. No, fuck you, no, please, please, no. We have also tried to interest other corporate investors in your case. Violet was like, please, please, I need help. Please. We couldn't move our legs. We were lying there and we couldn't move them. And Nina was saying, we tried our best to interest a variety of possible corporate sponsors, but we regret to tell you that you were turned down. What? Why? We're sorry, Violet Dern. Unfortunately, FeedTech and other investors reviewed your purchasing history, and we don't feel that you would be a reliable investment at this time. No one could get what we call a handle on your shopping habits. Like, for example, you asking for information about how all those wow and brag products and then never buying anything. We have to inform you that our corporate investors were like, what's doing with this? I mean, sorry, I'm afraid you'll just have to work with your feed the way it is. Violet lay back down in the dark. Her legs started to sting, and she called out loud for her dad, and she was sobbing. Maybe, Violet, if we check out some of the great bargains available to you through the FeedNet over the next six months, we might be able to create a customer's consumer portrait of you that would interest our investment team. How about it, Violet Dern? Just us, you and me, girls, together. Shop till you stop and drop. Go away, Violet said in a burst over her feed. Go away, go away. Nina smiled. I've got a galaxy of super products we can try together. Please, I'm alone in the house and I fell down. Please go away, please don't help. And that's where Violet clipped off the end of her memory when she sent it to me. Her lying in the dark on the ground in the basement, waiting for her father to come and help. Feeling the pain in her head and wondering if it was fought from falling or if it was the feed rusting somehow, as if she could feel it rusting brown in her brain. 76.2%. When I woke up, I had a headache and we didn't go dancing. It was already getting dark in her neighborhood and her father was staring out the window at her and I felt like a jerk because it was pretty clear what he was thinking. My daughter is spending these last precious like hours with some malfunctioned asshole. And she was sitting next to me on the grass and up cars were shooting over back and forth and people were commuting. It was the end of the day. She asked whether I wanted to stay for dinner and I was feeling bad about coming over and embarrassing her. So I said no. The feed was trying to mop up my headache. I could feel it doing nerve blocks. There was a, a message in my inbox from Sweden saying they hoped I'd enjoy the cow kicker. Please come again. 
but there's no way I was trying that shit again because it had been a mean attack and a bastard of a decay. I felt awful. We sat on the grass and I was like, I didn't mean, I mean, I didn't know that they sent you that, the refusal. I didn't know. You didn't ask. I kept being silent so that she could bring stuff up if she wanted to, but she didn't bring any of it up. She just talked about music and told me about some concerts she'd been to a few years before. She didn't like fun music, but sarcastic music like Borcore. I kept waiting for something to happen. I mean, I wanted her to do something like grab my hand. Her father watched us through the window with his lips pursed. And after a while, I started to want her to grab my hand so much that I put it on the grass right next to her hip. And she kept talking about diatribe on tour. And I was like, we weren't going out. And I felt like I wanted to bump up against her accidentally so we'd touch. But I wasn't going to touch her if she didn't want me to touch me first. And we stopped talking. And she asked if I had to go. And I said, probably should, because it was a long ride to get home. She asked if I felt better. And I said, I couldn't feel anything. And I stood up and I looked in the window at her father. And he was sitting with his elbows on the, his knees, staring at the bottom of a garbage can. <laughs> and Violet walked me out to the up car. I waited near it for her to try to kiss me, and she didn't. So I said goodbye and crawled in. She looked at me and started to smile, and she raised her hand. I closed the door. I lifted off. The next day, her arm stopped working for an hour, and she panicked, and she had to be given a sedative. 59.3 that night, I could feel another message caching. It was a big one. It was huge. It started. It's three again. I'm awake. I've been listening to requiems and ordering more. I've been listening to burial rites from all over the world. Some places they dance and chant. Some places they tear their clothes. Some places they play choir, choirs of bamboo clarinets. Some places they scream. In Polynesia, they wail, but the wailing is close to a song. It, it's strange once you start listening to wailing that's also singing, that's also like a ritual. You start to wonder, how much does anyone really miss anyone else? How much are they just crying because it's what they have to do, the song they have to sing? Some Australian women have to fall silent when they're grieving. It's required, and they speak for the rest of their lives only with their hands. Titus. I'm afraid of silence. I'm afraid my memory will go soon. When I try to think about that year that disappeared from six to seven, it's nothing. I mean, I can't remember anything. I can remember remembering, but I can't remember anything that happened to me right before I got the feed. I'm afraid. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my past. Who are we if we don't have a past? So I'm going to tell you some things, especially the things before I got the feed, because you're the most important person in my life, and I'm going to tell you everything. Someday I might want you to tell it back to me. She kept sending me things. I didn't open them. I let them sit. I was walking around school trademark the next day, feeling them like feeling them crowd me. It was like something that was always spilling. It was like there. And I went home that afternoon in the up car and I was afraid I would look at the memories. They were getting bigger. She was sending them every few minutes. Sometimes something would bleed through her father, younger, throwing her a baseball. 
her mother wearing sandals and a pro proton lid, <laughs> the smell of some sauce cooking, stories she told from before she got the feed. I would get a few words, something about an ant or a camel or a guitar or some shit, and I didn't listen to any of them, any of the stories. I just kept them. I didn't touch them on the way home. I mean, they just bled. And I got home and I had a headache and I told the feed to shut off the headache. And it sent me a message about how much I was cashing and asked if I wanted to open it. And I sat down at the table and then I walked around. She was bombarding me. And finally I got a message that she'd stopped. My lines were clear. And I went to the kitchen to get a drink of water. I filled a glass and I looked at the window over the sink. I deleted everything she'd sent me. I went into the living room and I sat on the sofa. I didn't feel good. And I sat on the sofa and I looked at the fireplace and I deleted all of her memories. And then later on, she chatted me saying, what's your answer about the weekend idea? We'll have to sneak around my dad because he doesn't want me to see you, but don't worry, don't worry. We'll be together, whatever happens. And I didn't know what weekend idea she was talking about, so I didn't answer her. And the walls of my room were all white and they had hot spots where if you looked at them, posters would appear, but I shut them off. There was nothing on my walls. I didn't do my homework. I went to bed. I lied there, face up. I didn't sleep. 57.2%. I couldn't think on Friday night because Smell Factor was crying and running around the house throwing things. My dad hadn't been home for a few weeks and my mom was really angry and kept yelling at Smell Factor and he kept running up and down the carpets. He was directing these like blasts of kids programs in different directions. So it hurt to walk around because you kept getting caught in his beams. Like, is your head a square point to one now? Chucky, have you lost your socks again? Or suddenly you're like doubling over and it's like robot piles. You can keep in your hair six to a package. Give mom a scare. Wow. Meg Bragg. Mine's called Ludie. I was staying in my room to avoid having my like brain blown up by Smell Factor's broadcasts. I heard mom running after him, telling him she'd give him some cookie dough if he'd stop. And I sat there and I wondered what to do because I was bored of the games I had and it was just Friday, but I didn't know if anyone was going out or what we were supposed to do that weekend. Mom called up to me, hey, Violet's here. She said it was like I was expecting Violet. And I got up and I went to my bedroom door and I just stood there and I didn't push the button to open it. My hand was on the button, but I didn't push it. I stood by the door. Hey, my mom called. I heard her say, you can just go up. He's probably asleep. I pressed the button. She was coming up the stairs. She waved, kind of pathetic, like I was gonna yell at her. I just stood by the door to let her in my room, but she didn't come in. She just stood outside the room and I was just inside. She said, can I come in? I let her in. She came in and I shut the door. You didn't give me an answer about this weekend, she said, but I just figured I'm, I'm going anyway. I mean, I don't know how much time I have. What? I said. Well, I'm going to the mountains. You can come if you want. She was like, I'd like it if you came. When? Now, for the weekend. Didn't you get my message? I shook my head. Oh, I said no. The other night, I guess not. Or the memories? I said, what memories? I sent you all these memories. I sent you hours worth. I looked at the rug and I said to her, no, no, I didn't get anything, any memories or anything. 
And she sat down on the bed. Oh, she said, oh, great. So that's going wrong too, my chat and the messaging. I was wondering why you didn't say anything. Oh, God. Oh, shit. I didn't say anything. I just stood there. And she looked up and she told me, I got here in a taxi. I went over to my dresser and I leaned on it. I told my dad I was going to a friend's house. He doesn't know it's you. I figure, what's he going to do? Ground me for the rest of my life, meaning like 15 minutes? <laughs> she laughed really short and harsh. I didn't think she should joke about that because you just don't joke about your life, especially because it can make people really uncomfortable if you have something wrong with you and you keep bringing it up in certain ways. And she was like, are you coming or not? This is my big time. I'm really going to live. She said, I'm going to fucking live. I'm going to go up to the mountains and see things. And I'm going to come home on Monday or Tuesday and be like, I've seen it. I've used every second. And then each day after that, I'm going to do something different. I don't care. Museums, shows, anything. I said, I'm kind of busy. I wish I'd got the message. And she stared at me like she couldn't believe me. I said, if I'd got it, I could have changed my plans. What I have to do? Okay, she said. She was angry and she stood up. She said, okay, I'm really sorry. You don't want to run away together. You don't think that sounds exciting, better than doing, well, whatever you're doing. We were standing there and Smell Factor was running down the hall behind us, shooting out his broadcast beams. Heads up, teen enforcers, cause that sure ain't the welcome wagon. Mom was running along the carpet behind him, shouting at him. She slammed some doors. I think she must have caught up to him. Violet said, it'll be fun. She sent me pictures of a cabin with some pine trees and a fire and two people with smudged faces that could be her and me sitting there under one comforter. Come on, what are you gonna do otherwise? I didn't want to answer her. Seriously, she chatted, what's scheduled? I thought about the pictures again, the cabin, the pine trees, the comforter, and her sitting next to me, and I thought about all of that, erasing the memories. I said, okay. You'll go? Okay. Oh, this is great. We're going to have a great time. Okay. She said to get my clothes, so I did, and I took out some clothes and started putting them in a duffel bag. And she was all cheerful and kept bouncing herself on the bed and talking about where we were going. And she picked up my boxer shorts when I was folding them and she had this smile and she put her finger through the vent in the front and twiddled it. And I stood up like an elephant's trunk and I watched her and then she tossed the boxer shorts in the duffel bag and I folded them again and put them in. I told my mom that we were going to a concert and that I was gonna stay over at Violet's house after because I thought she would freak out if she knew I was going off somewhere without having any real plan and spend money on a hotel or a cabin. Mom said, great, have a good time, because she was busy running on a treadmill that lit things up while Smell Factor tried to throw marbles at her knees. Violet and I went out to my up car and we got in and I asked her whether she wouldn't, shouldn't tell her dad where we were going. And she said, no, he was being very protective and he would birth Meg Cow if he found out that she was gone for the weekend and with me. And I said, oh, great. We were flying now, going out of the drop tube, and I was waiting for her directions. And she sent them right to the up car, and it sent confirmation. I could feel it calculating a flight pattern. I asked, so have you been okay? And she said, well, things happen. Immobility. Then a few hours later, it stops, and I can move. 
I'm worried about the chat though, that's new, I didn't know. Did you try to send me things? I lied to her, a few things, they were short, but I didn't feel good about it. And I said, you, you could send the memories to me again. And she looked at me real intense and she goes, you can join me, we can prepare. I can have this dream that I'll be able to learn to live without the feed. And I wish they could just switch it off. Can't they? Not dormant, I mean off, I mean completely. They can't right now. It replaces too many basic functions. It's tied into everything. Well, one little thing she said, I caved in the other day. Nina said she'd noticed all these requiem masses I'd been listening to, and she suggested some others, and here's the hideous thing. What? I like them. She figured it out. I've been sketched demographically. They can still predict things I like. They're really close to winning. I mean, I'm trying to resist, but they're close to winning. Just keep I don't know what to say. I mean, doing. And she looked at me and smiled and said, my hero. I didn't want her to be, I didn't want to be called her hero. I looked at her and she was smiling like she was broken. And I reached down and turned up the fan in the climate control. 54.1%. It was a college town up in some mountains. The mountainsides were covered with gouges and cables. She had made a reservation at a hotel. I mean, it was a cheap hotel, the kind where you're always thinking about urban legends. We went into the manager. I reserved a room, Violet said. He said, name. He looked at me. I guessed Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And Violet smiled like we're in a musical and she was about to break out singing. And the guy nodded and he was like, yeah, sure, Smith. I don't give a rat's ass. You're Smith like I'm Betty Grable. And he held up a scanner. Hold out your hands. I'll get the key for your room. I was trying to have fun. We went out to the room and Violet was like, what a quaint little place. I didn't know stucco could brown like this. And she touched the door and opened and it opened for her hand and she went in and we went up to the up car and got our bags. I like being the man getting the bags and I went in and she was poking around the room. She lifted the covers on the bed and looked at the sheets. Check the mattress foundation, she said, for bodies. They sew them in. Okay, (laughs) if you dig the pubic lice out of the soaps. And then she looked around. It's the kind of apocryphal story hotel where people usually only stay when their up car breaks down during a rainstorm. I said, yeah. She said, dead rattlers drying on the shower curtain rod, a man with rulers for hands sitting in the room next door, you know, chihuahuas in the mini fridge. We went on to check out the town. There were lights everywhere in concrete. And you could see from down off the mountain all of the lights from the upper layers of the suburbs stretching all around for as far as you could see in loops and half loops from all the cul-de-sacs. It was cold out because we were outside on a mountain and we wore jackets and night goggles. It was the nice kind of cold when someone else's skin, it will be grainy when you touch it. And I thought maybe it wouldn't be so bad being with her. There was some shouting going on by the college campus. We went into the pizza place and ordered a pizza. We asked the people what it was, and they said it was a protest. We asked for what, and they said they didn't know. So we ate our pizza there, and we got some hot cocoa. It was good to have the cocoa. I thought maybe some Kahlua, too, but I figured only the only alcohol they'd have at the hotel would be for cleaning tile. I felt like I needed a drink because suddenly I realized that I was dreading every second. We got back to the room and touched the door. It was a whole night we had to get through and she grabbed me when we went through like it was romantic and she had the front of my coat in her hands and she pulled me right up to her and kissed me and she whispered, I wanna experience everything Titus. And I said, 
okay. <laughs> and I hoped that she would get the signal, which was like the null signal. And she took off her coat and threw it on a chair. She was going, I've done some of it before. I had this boyfriend, he played the guitar and somehow he tricked me into doing a thing or two before I realized his lyrics didn't rhyme. She sat on the bed and she was talking in a way that made me feel like the whole mucousy part of my chest was hardened into a stone and someone threw it off a zero bridge into a deep, deep hole. But I've never done the main event. My chest kept on failing, maybe with some ice crystals on it now. She said, sit down next to me. And I sat down next to her and she put her arm around me. It was kind of awkward because we were sitting next to one another and she kissed me on the lips and I started kissing her back and her one hand was around my neck and she put her other hand on my leg and I could still feel the most, or I guess the biggest part of my chest, the lung and mucus part falling down into a pit, maybe hitting the edge and getting dirty and rolling now with a kind of squelching noise. And I was thinking forward to when it would be over. And she was kneading me with her hand and I just sat there. My arms weren't around her anymore. They were back on the bed holding me up and she was like mushing me with her hand. And I said, ow. She said, I really wanted this to happen with you right from when we started going out. You're just so beautiful. You lead this life like I've always wanted to, just like everything is normal. We can just be like normal people are off skiing and we could even rent skis, you know, normal kids, they go off for ski weekends. I said, every year I go skiing with my parents. One year we went to Switzerland. Great, she said, you know the border's closed now for Americans. Now let's refocus our attention. And I ask, have you ever been telemarking? And she kissed me on the mouth to shut me up. She was holding my hair too, which helped. <laughs> and then she whispered, I love you, Titus. This is going to be the most amazing night. This is going to be drill eyes in the back of our heads. And she was still working away with her hand and nothing was really happening. And I tried to move away and she had her arm around me and was starting to look worried. And I felt bad because it wasn't her fault. She was going to die. So I tried to smile, but I couldn't. And she said, what's going on? What am I doing wrong? And I said, nothing. What's happening? Nothing. She said, I can tell. And she tried again, even worse, tried to be dirty, like, come on, baby, and all of that sort of thing. And finally, she said, what's going on? And I stood up and she was like, what's the matter? And I said, let's not. What? What's the matter? I said, I keep picturing you dead already. It feels... And I didn't want to finish the sentence and she was waiting though for some stupid reason. I did finish it maybe because I was angry. It feels like being felt up by a zombie. Okay. It feels like that's what it feels like. And her face turned completely white and I felt like shit. All right. She said, well, I guess this was a bad idea. She looked very little down on the bed and I felt really bad. And I said, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I didn't mean that. She said, what did I do wrong? nothing. And she picked up the edge of the coverlet with her fingers and rubbed it and dropped it. She was looking what people call askance. In the test, they find huge numbers of DNA strands on hotel coverlets. And I stood and waited. And she said, I went to the moon during spring break to see how people live. And when you came along, I thought, now I'll have a boyfriend like people have boyfriends. Other people just have fun. They just have fun. And it comes naturally to them. And I couldn't believe it when the first night that guy, she whacked the back of her own head like a punishment. Like that first night, like that guy, that hacker. It was like I was being punished for even trying that he, and now the color was coming back into her face. And she said, and then we were in the hospital and he took me away from the rest of you and told me, your feet is damaged. There's a danger. It may be life-threatening. And I came down and you took, took, 
and and took you away and kissed you and the whole time I was thinking and now I'm living I have someone with me I'm not alone I'm living okay I said Violet I'm real I'm I'm real sorry you mean sorry and she looked at me with her eyebrows weird with that kind of sorry meant to both of us that it was over that I had just broken up with her yeah I said sorry in that way and she thought about it and she said I wanted someone to know me I thought it would be like when you're finally tied to the dock. And she thought about it more. She said, I was brought into the world in a room with no one there but seven machines. We all were. My parents watched through the glass when I was taken out of the amniotic fluid. I came into the world alone. She picked up her shoe and scratched the crust out of the tread. She said, I didn't want to go out of it alone. And I was like, that, see, that's the thing. I can't field this, okay? You're laying this whole guilt banquet. I just can't field any of this. I'm sorry, she said, but I seem to be dying. No, I can't field this. You were, you were the whole time. You were just planning this whole eternal thing, and I was supposed to automatically love you always. But I didn't even know. I was just thinking about get, going out with you, and we would just have some fun for a few months. But to you, I was the normal guy. I was magic. I was Mr. Normal Dumbass with my dumbass normal friends, and oh, like the whole, like, oh, how delightful the whole enchanted world of being a stupid shithead goes along with dancing and getting laid. You wanted to mingle with the common people, just latch onto this one dumbass and make fun of his friends for being stupid, while all the time having this little wish that you could be like us, without thinking what it would be like, or what our problems are, or what we might not be like saving the environment or anything, but have our own problems. And now you're no, you know, no, she said, really soft and angry. I don't have any idea. We've only been going out a few months, and I'm supposed to act like we're married. A couple of months is not like some big eternal thing. We should have broken up weeks ago. I mean, I would have if you hadn't been... If I hadn't been what? I didn't sign up to go out with you forever when you're dead. It's been a couple of months, okay? A couple of months. And there was a silence. That's it, she said. Well, it was spring break. I mean, that would make it April, May... That's not what I mean. I mean, that's it? Oh, now you're going to take it all wrong. Let's go home. What? Take me out to your brand spanking new up car and take me home. What's wrong with my up car? You tell me. You look worried. What's wrong with you? The male goat pisses in his own face to attract the female, and she likes it. Oh, fuck you. What's that supposed to mean? Do you know what's going on in Central America? Oh, here... Do you know why the Global Alliance is pointing out all the weaponry at their disposal at us? No, hardly anyone does. Do you know why our skin is falling off? Have you heard that some suburbs have been lost, just no one knows where they are anymore? No one can find them? No one? No one knows what happened? Do you know that the earth is almost dead? Almost nothing lives here anymore except where we plant it? No, 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 no. We don't know any of that. We have tea parties with our teddies. We go sledding. We enjoy being young. We take what's coming to us, and that is our way. <coughs> I picked up my duffel bag. You can finish the, like, sermon in the up car, I said. You'll have a couple of hours before we get to your house. I opened the door. Maybe you can also sing me some death songs. She grabbed her bag. She explained carefully, I discover that I hate you. I said, do you want to, me to pay for the room or should I? She realized it had to be paid still and she said, oh shit. 
Don't worry, darling. I have like all the money in the world. I paid. I was walking out the door. I felt my credit blotted for $520. I went to the up car. I opened the door for her. She got in. We put the duffel bags between us and we flew back. It was night. I've never been someplace with that much angry in the air. Like it was all crammed. Like the whole air was buzzing. Like all the lights of the dashboard were teasing us. We were hurtling forward and it was like we were fueled by how much we hated each other. And she was crying. It made her ugly. She crossed her arms on her lap. I thought how ugly she was. Her one hand was limp like a flipper. I realized it wasn't working anymore. I closed my eyes. There was nothing but air in between us. I could say I was sorry. I was almost saying it. We were flying and I was close to saying it. If only she wouldn't say something sarcastic, something snotty, something about how she had watched us all and tried to be as dumb and fun as us. And she looked really alone sitting there in the seat with the harness around her and her crippled flipper hand cradled between her legs so I wouldn't see it. I don't know how I spent two hours. It was so awful and boring. I thought about anything else that I could. You low, said a banner. Not for long. Not when you find out the savings you can enjoy at Weatherby and Crotch's annual blowout summer fashion sale. It was a little embarrassing, but I did order a jersey. I did it really careful in case she was tracking my feed. The night seemed to go on for hours. I couldn't believe it when we got to her drop tube and went down to the bottom to her suburb. We flew down her street. There were streets on the ground and they were lit by lights. At her house, I got out and climbed down. Her father was watching through the window. He could see me and know she was lying about where she would have been. And he came out front, the front door, and we were hovering in the driveway. I'd gone around to her side and opened her door up, and she was trying to stand. She couldn't get out too good with her arm not working, and I held up my hand. She didn't take it. She wobbled there. She was afraid she would fall. Her father watched her. He saw what was happening and ran up and he took her hand and she reached out with her other hand and took her own wrist back from him. She freed her hand from her dad's and she let herself down to the ground alone, all alone. And she stood there between the two of us looking from one to the other. I turned around and went back to my side of the up car. I got in, I left, I flew home. It was only months later that I realized that the last thing I ever heard her mouth say, the last word she would ever speak to me had already been spoken, and they were, oh, shit. 51.5%. So she messaged me the next day. I'm not messaging you to say I'm sorry because I'm not, not for everything. But I am messaging you to say that I love you and that you are completely wrong about me thinking you're stupid. I always thought you could teach me things. I was always waiting. You're not like the others. You say things that no one expects you to, but you think you're stupid. You want to be stupid, but you're someone people could learn from. And I want to talk if you do. We both said mean things, dumb things, things we didn't mean. But there's always time to change. There's always time until there's not. And that was her message. I said, oh, nothing, when Link looked at me funny, and we went out to kick some ass on the basketball court. It's summertime. When school ended for the year, Link and Marty and I went to the moons of Jupiter to stay with Marty's aunt for a few weeks. It was okay. 
we had a pretty good time. By that point, I was kind of going out with Quendi and I kind of missed her. We met the other girls on, Lo on IO, but I was chatting back to Quendi the whole time, even though there were some meg delays in feed service between the planets. I told her how much I missed her. We had some good parties that summer when we got back to Earth. Marty got a giant top quark pool. It was inflatable and huge, and the pool was in the top quark's belly, and it floated above Marty's house. So it was pretty funny. And Marty had also gotten a Nike speech tattoo, which was pretty brag. I mean, it meant that every sentence he automatically said, he automatically said Nike. <laughs> he paid a lot for it, and it was hilarious because you could hardly understand what he said anymore. It was just like, this fucking shit, Nike, fucking, you know, Nike, etc. Everything that was not... Everything was not always going well. For most people, our hair fell out and we were bald and we had less and less skin. And then later there was this thing that hit hipsters. People were just stopping in their tracks frozen. At first people thought it was another virus and they were looking for groups like the Coalition of Pity. But it turned out that it was something called nostalgia feedback. People had been getting nostalgia for fashions. They were getting closer and closer to their own time until finally people became nostalgic for the moment they were actually living in and the feedback completely froze them. It happened to Callista and Loga. We were really worried about them for a day or two. We, we knew they'd be all right, but still, you know, Marty was like, holy fucking shit, this is so Nike fucked. And the night after I saw them frozen, even though they were okay, I, I couldn't sleep at all. And I kept thinking of Violet in her broken flipper hand. And I kept thinking of her pitching her leg and not being able to feel it. And I thought of her lying without moving. But in my thoughts, her eyes were open. And that summer was the summer when all the bees came out of the walls of those suburbs and went crazy. And people couldn't figure it out at all. It turned out that my up car was not the kind of up car my friends rode in. I don't know why. I had enough room. But for some reason, people didn't think of it that way. Sometimes that made me feel kind of tired. It was like I kept buying these things to be cool, but cool was always flying just ahead of me. <clears throat> and I could never exactly catch up to it. I felt like I'd been running toward it for a long time. The Deep. One night at dinner, when my dad came back from a corporate adventure with his management team, he showed us memories from it. He said it was great and really refreshing and that it was just the kind of thing to promote team interface and to get everyone to work out their stop-go hierarchies. They went whale hunting. It was just people and old ships and the whales and the whales' lamination, which he said was a non-organic covering that made it possible for them to live in the sea. And so he broadcast it to the family. He was all, okay, here you see us in the little whale boat. We've put out from the main ship. We've spotted the whale and we're rowing out to it. This was awesome, totally awesome. Can you feel the spray? I loved it. I kept getting it in my eyes and blinking. And that's, oh, Dave Perkalex, VP of Client Relations. He's in charge of the bucket of rope. See him waving? Hi, Dave. You can see the head of our Phoenix office there holding the harpoon. So we're rowing out there as fast as possible. It was really rough that day. See, we're all shouting and we need to be going faster. Row, row, row. And we have our new intern there pulling at the oars. Hey, Lisa. I wasn't very interested and it was making me a little sick to my stomach because it was going up and down and the water was gray everywhere and so was the sky and I think dad must have been sick to his stomach because his feed was broadcasting his stomach sickness. All right, so there you can see us harpooning the whale. Oh Jesus, here we go, feel the tug, it's awesome. Totally awesome. Okay, this is what they call the Nantucket sleigh ride. You gotta be dragged by the whale until it gets tired. And then you can go up and puncture its lung. Oh there, okay, this is later. You can see Jeff Matson stabbing it. 
He's chairman of the board. Wow. There she blows, huh? There's this big spray of blood. How's his wife? Asked mom. Jeff's? Oh, she's great. I think. Fine. Okay. So here we pulled the whale back beside the ship and this was the greatest feeling. And now they have to flens the whale or remove all of its blubber and huge mats. Dude, this is tough work. They have to lift the blubber sheets on hooks and feed it into the triworks where the blubber, it's all reduced with, you know, fire and heat. It's really hot and difficult. And I felt real bad for the interns you see there doing it. Maggie and Rick, good kids, real good kids. And I heard a voice say, she wanted me to tell you when everything stopped. I could barely hear it over the cries of the ship and the slashing of the waves against the carcass of the whale. She wanted me to tell you when it was over. All right, said my dad, here we are drinking a toast. And in the background, you can see, now they all get some kind of a special oil out of the brain cavity. You have to actually send people into the brain cavity to bail it out with buckets, see? They're dressed all up in rubber. It's an awful job walking around in the brain. Those are Bip, that's Bip and John, two more of our interns. See, John with the bucket. <laughs> she wanted me to tell you that you don't need to see her if you don't wish to. I looked for who said it on the ship because it was feed noise, but I couldn't turn my head because it was my dad's head and it was his memory and there was sea spray and I kept looking on this like I was a 45 year old VP lady and getting completely turned on and I tried to stop looking down her blouse when she stooped to pick up some kind of flensing splayed and I tried to look for the voice, but I couldn't turn my head and anyway, it wasn't there with the interns bailing whale oil or the seagulls flying over the boat and charging at the slime that was all over the wood. It was Violet's father's voice. I'm attaching our address in case you've forgotten it. She told me to tell you when it was all over. Never mind the rest, said my dad, and he stopped the broadcast. Wait, I said. They looked at me. What? The lady at the end, said Small Factor. She made me funny. Yes, said my mother, kind of dangerous sounding. Who was she? So that was the outing, said my dad. And I was trying to pick up the line from Violet's father. I was searching for it, but I couldn't find it. There was just his message and the attachment with their address. I stood up. I said, I I've got to go. I've got this message that was Violet's. Well, I don't know. I think something's really wrong. My father said, well, there's a name we haven't like heard in a while. And mother said, maybe because we have been strutting around on a whaling boat, eyeing up the VP of sales. My mom had lost so much skin. You could see her teeth even when her mouth was closed. What about Peg, Peg Leg Pete? I left and went out to my up car and got in. I flew out of our bubble into the main tube and then out of our neighborhood and up to the drop tube and then across the surface. And people were going by me like streaks of light. The clouds were glowing green and black. Snow was falling. It was miles and miles away. It was like so far. On the news, there were underground explosions that no one could explain in New Jersey. And a riot had started a few hours before in a mall in California and it was spreading with feed coverage of people stampeding for safety and children falling and professional people beating the shit out of each other with chairs and a body floating in a fountain while the music played a waltz. I had fed Violet's address into the upcar so it did the driving. I didn't need to do hardly anything, but I didn't have to like, you know, the attention and I wished I didn't have to sit. I wanted to pace until I got there. If there'd been enough room, my legs felt all jumpy. And when I got out of the up car, the front door of the house opened and her father was there. He left the door open and I went inside and I walked down the door driveway. And I stood for a minute by the open door. It was dark inside and then I went in. There was no one in the living room. There were stacks of books everywhere and posters with words on them and some plants. 
and I called out, hello, and no one answered me. And so I ran around the corner to Violet's room and her father was standing in the kitchen. He was leaned up against the counter. He had on his feed backpack and his special glasses, which were showing him words. And he looked at me quickly when I came in. I whispered, what's happened? The father pointed down the hall. The hall was dark with wall-to-wall -wall carpeting that might have had something spilled on it. I went down the hall. I went into the room, and I saw her there. 4.6%. I stood there in front of her bed. The bed was floating. She was covered in discs. They were on her face and on her arms. She looked real, real pale. There were signals going on behind her, beeping and so on. Her hair had been shaved off, and it was just fuzz now, and there were scars on her scalp from where they tried to fix her. Her eyes were open. It was weird to be in the room with her. It was like being in the room with her if she was wood. It didn't feel like you were in the room with anyone, like you could stand there and you would feel just completely alone, like you were just in a room with a prop. You could watch the prop and not feel anything or remember anything about how the prop used to joke with you and how you wanted to kiss it and feel it up. <laughs> and I thought it would feel like a tragedy, but it didn't feel like anything at all. Her father came in and sat down in a chair behind me, and I was still standing up. He settled in his chair, and I could hear his feedback creaking. I kept looking at her. He said, her speech became increasingly slurred, and toward the end, she could no longer make any kind of sly witticism of which she was so fond. Your bon mots cannot fly fleetly when each consonant is a labor. She could barely get her tongue to touch her hard palate. She would kick things in anger when she couldn't speak until her legs stopped working finally and didn't start back again. And then I could see her trapped in there. I could see it in her eyes, and for a while she had also become, he said, she had become hazy, confused. The hippocampus was likely being mismanaged, so her memory was dim. And she asked me about her mother. She spoke a great deal of you. The worst stage was when one could tell she was awake and almost alert, but she knew that nothing worked. Imprisoned. She was imprisoned. In a statue like the Sphinx. Looking out from the eyes, her own mind at that point was as small and bewildered as a little fly behind great battlements. And I turned around. Words were going across his eyes. He did not read them. I whispered, oh. He said, facing toward her feet, her mother and I did not wish to get her to get a feet at all. I did not have one and neither did her mother. And I said, none for my family. And then one day when her mother had left, I needed work and I was at a job interview and I was an excellent candidate and two men were interviewing me talking about this and that. And then they were silent, just looking at me and I grew uncomfortable. And then they became looking at each other, doing what I might call smirking. I realized that they had chatted me and that I had not responded. And they found this funny risible that a man would not have a feed and so they were chatting about me in my presence teasing me when I could not hear free to assess me as they would right in front of me I did not get the job and it was thus that I realized that my daughter would need the feed she had to live in the world and I asked her if she wanted it she was a little girl and of course she said yes and it was installed if they had not installed it he lifted his hand and held it like he was weighing possibilities 
They say that it was the late installation that made it dangerous. The brain was already wired to operate on its own. The feed installation was non-standard. They have also told me that if I had bought a better model, perhaps it would have been more adaptable. I remember them asking me at the time and I whispered, I skimped. I read consumer reports and wondered, what's the difference? He looked at me and asked, what could go wrong? He was glaring at me. I'm sorry, I said. He asked, for what? For what I did. What about what you didn't do? I'm sorry for that too. Sorrow, he says, comes so cheap. You can't blame me. Why? I didn't do this. You took her to that nightclub. She, well, she wanted to live. She told me she wanted to live. He hissed, pointing at her. Does this count? I looked at her. She was completely calm. She didn't move. There was a beeping. I remember her in the hospital on the moon laughing and throwing hypodermic needles at a picture of a man with no skin. And then he began sending me shots of memory. I saw her gagging when parts of her throat stopped working. I saw her lying partway on the bed, partway on the floor, tangled in her sheets, her eyes open but not blinking. I saw her thrashing on the mattress, mooing like a cow for mercy. I rolled her over with his hands. I rolled over in the back of her pajamas were black and wet. I started to clean her. I saw her pleading with her eyes. The room smelled like urine, something hot and starting to bud. I began to cough and it came out memories and he was sitting there staring at me. What a nice visit. So nice of you to come. Stop it. I said, you've done your duty. Why don't you go along and play your game? Said her father. We're the land of youth, the land of opportunity. Go out and take what's yours. I'm not a jerk. I said, we Americans, he said, are only interested in the consumption of our products. We have no interest in how they were produced or what happens to them. He pointed at his daughter, what happens to them once we discard them, once we throw them away. I didn't. I said I didn't throw her away. And the worst thing, he said, is that you made her apologize. Towards the end, I didn't say anything to her, but she told me she was apologizing to you for what she said, for how she behaved. You made her apologize for sickness, for her courage. You made her feel sorry for dying. I'm sorry. You're sorry. He stood up. He was taller than me. Thin. Real thin, but tall with these big, loose hands. Why don't you go back to your friends, the one who teased her? They didn't. It's almost about time for foosball. It'll be a gala. Go with your little child. Go back and hang with the Eloy. What are the Eloy? It's a reference, he said, snotty. It's from the time machine, H.G. Wells. I stepped closer to him. What does it mean? I asked because I'm sick of... Read it. I'm sick of being told I'm stupid. Well, tell me. Read it. Tell me. You can look it up. You can tell me. Will you ever open your eyes? I yelled, fuck you. Fuck you. You can fucking tell me. And he grabbed my shirt. I didn't expect that. His big loose hand was on my shirt and he was yelling like a little kid. He was yelling, no, fuck you. Fuck you forever and ever and ever. Fuck you forever and ever. And I pushed at his arms and his fingers were wound up in the fabric and he was crying, fuck you forever and ever and ever and ever. And I pushed his arm away and I went for the door and he was just crying and saying, fuck you forever and ever, forever and ever. 
and before the door shut, I heard him saying to her, You couldn't hear that, Vi, could you? I'm sorry. I'm sorry you didn't hear that. And I walked so fast, I almost ran through the house. I stumbled sometimes. There was a special on draft pants on Multitude. There, were, there was a preview of the season opener of Clang. And I ran out to the driveway, and I went to the up car. I didn't fly. I didn't go anywhere. It nudged me and asked me where I wanted to go, and I didn't answer. And I sat, and I sat, and finally I told it I wanted to go home. And it took me miles of suburban bubbles, the shafts, the tubes, the pods, pennants, advertising malls, trailer parks on miles of concrete with window boxes covered in ash, up cars flashing past their prices speaking to me in my head. At home, I walked around my room. Out in the hall, I can hear smell factors playing action figures. I could hear him make explosions with his mouth. I sat on the floor. I tore up my pants. I was trying so hard to get them off. They ripped. I took off my sweatshirt. I threw my boxer shorts against the wall. I was naked, completely naked. And I sat on the rug in the middle of the floor. I could smell my own sweat from my folded places. And I sat there. I ordered the draft pants from Multitude. It was a real bargain. I ordered another pair. I ordered a pair after pair. I ordered them all in the same color. They were slate. I was ordering them as quickly as I could. I put in my address again and again. I was shivering with the cold on my butt and my arms were around my legs and I ordered pants after pants. I put tracking orders on them. I tracked each one. I could feel them moving through the system. Spreading out from me in the dead of night, I could feel credit deducted and the warehouse alerted and packing, and I could feel the packing and the shipment, the distribution, the transition to FedEx, the numbers each time, the order number, my customer number traded like secret words at a border, and the things all went out, and I could feel them coming to me as the night passed. I could feel them in orbit. I could feel them in circulation all around me like blood in my veins. I had no credit. I had nothing left in my account. I could feel the pants winging their way towards me through the night, and I stayed up all through the early morning, shivering, ordering, ordering, and I was awake at dawn, and when I put on clothes and went up to the surface and watched the shit-stupid sun rise over the whole shit-stupid world. 4.6%. Two days later, I went to visit her, I dressed real careful, like for a special occasion. While I was driving there, I kept fiddling with my shirt. I tried the sleeves rolled up and rolled down at different places on my biceps. And when I got to the house, my father opened the door. The father stepped away and let me in. He didn't say anything. He walked into the kitchen and out the back door and into, I went into Violet's room. She just lay there. She had the discs all over her. Someone had laid her arms outside the sheets and her eyes were still open and I sat beside her. I had an hour before I had to go meet Quendi and I put my hands on Violet's arm. I said, Violet, you might be able to, maybe you can hear me. So I came over to, I thought I'd tell you the news, what's going on, just to talk to you. And I also found some things like that you like, strange facts about things in other places I thought you'd like to hear. And I tried to talk just to her. I tried not to listen to the noise on the feed, the girls in wet shirts offering me shampoo. I told her stories. They were only one sentence long, each of them. That's all I knew how to find. So I told her broken stories, little pieces of broken stories I could find. And I told her what I could. 
I told her that the Global Alliance had issued more warnings about the possibility of total war if their demands were not met. I told her that the Emperor Nero from Rome had a giant sea built where he could keep sea monsters and have naval battles staged for them. I told her that there had been rioting in the malls all over America and that no one knew why. I told her that the red-suited Santa Claus, we know the regular one, the one popu was popularized by the Coca-Cola company in the 1930s. And I told her that the White House had not confirmed or denied reports that extensive bombing had started in major cities in South America. I told her there's an ancient saying in Japan that life is like walking from one side of infinite darkness to another on a bridge of dreams. They say that we're all crossing the bridge of dreams together, that there's nothing more than that, just us on the bridge of dreams. And outside her window, her father was working in the garden. He was on his hands and knees, pulling out pieces of grass from where the flowers were, and his feed pack glittered in the sun. And I watched him, and the sky was blue over him, and he patted the dirt with his hands. And I whispered, Violet, Violet, there's one story I'll keep telling you. I'll keep telling it. You're the story. I don't want you to forget. When you wake up, I want you to remember yourself. I'm going to remember. You're still there as long as I can remember you. As long as someone knows you, you're so well. I could drive a simulator. That is the story. And for the first time, I started crying. I cried, sitting by her bed. And I told her the story of us. It's about the feed. It's about this meg normal guy who doesn't think about anything until one wacky day when he meets a dissident with a heart of gold. I said, set against the backdrop of America in its final days, it's the high-spirited story of their love together. It's a laugh-out-loud, funny, really heartwarming and visual feast. And I picked up her hands and held it to my lips, and I whispered to her fingers, together the two crazy kids grow, have madcap escapades, and learn important lessons about love. They learn to resist the feed. Rated PG-13. For language, I whispered and mild sexual situations. And I sat in her room by her side and she stared at the ceiling and I held her hand and on a screen her heart was barely beating and I could see my face crying in her blank eye. Feeling blue? Then dress blue. It's the Blue Jean Warehouse's final sales event. Stock is just flying off the shelves. At prices so low you won't believe your feed. Everything must go. 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 And that's the end. Everything must go. So we finished up. We finished up. So we can move on to another story. Thanks for joining in, folks. Good night.